It's been very difficult for the industry, the turkey industry. Their turkeys are going to cost a lot more. I think people are going to find out here at Thanksgiving time about another issue that's happened, and it's not just inflation. What I can tell you is that there were some criminal charges brought. Thanks for tuning in to Keep It Legal, the show where we break down concepts, litigation, and current events with our legal experts. I'm your host, Mark Anik. Joining us today is Clayton Bailey with Bailey Brower in Dallas. Clayton, how are you? Good afternoon, Mark. I always like to play uh, go through the lawyer's bio when I do this. Uh, You and I have the advantage of knowing each other going back to, I remember a breakfast more than 10 years ago when you were leaving big law. Yep. Um, Good memory. Tell me the Clayton Bailey story as if you and I have not met before. Sure. So um, grew up in Southern California, about 40 miles east of Los Angeles out in the dairy country. And uh, went to school in, in, at Baylor, loved Texas, went back home uh, to California, married my high school sweetheart, who I'm still married to, who's a fantastic woman, and uh, came back out uh, to law school at SMU and then stayed in Dallas afterwards. I got some great advice as a young attorney, which was if you want to try cases, don't go to work for a big law firm, go uh, either do criminal or go work for like an insurance defense firm or something like that. And um, I come from a family of, of cops, and they would have killed me if I would have gone to the, the defense side. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so I went to work for an insurance defense firm and worked for a, a wonderful attorney, uh, Brent Cooper. And then I left uh, there and ended up at Baker and McKinsey, uh, the, which was at the time the world's largest law firm. And had a wonderful experience there. That was 13 great years of my life. Worked around some of the smartest people I've, uh, I, I think you could meet. And uh, got some wonderful opportunities. Uh, one of those opportunities was to meet a guy named Alex Brower, who is uh, not only my good friend, but also my law partner now. And we left, uh, this May will be 10 years. It'll be the 10-year anniversary wow. of Bailey Brower. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work, but I'll tell you what, I speaking for myself, and I think he'd say the same thing. It was the smartest decision we ever made. Okay. So tell me about Bailey Brower, and, and specifically if I ran into you at a cocktail party and I said, Clayton, what sort of work do you do? You have a rather unique niche. Yeah. So we're at this law firm, we handle complex commercial and tort cases. Uh, we're trial lawyers, we're appellate lawyers, and we handle cases from coast to coast. Now, I've got kind of a, an odd bent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, depending on whether I want to entice somebody to ask me questions, I'll say I'm a food lawyer. And they'll look at me and I'll be like, I didn't know a lettuce could, could have a lawyer, you know. <laughs> but uh, actually, it's I do a lot of work in the agriculture industry. Again, uh, I had some wonderful advice from a, a partner at Baker McKinsey when I was young, and, and he was trying to help me develop my career. And uh, I owe him the world for this. But he said, Clayton, um, you know, one thing you can do is, is pick an industry to go into and kind of be the, the person in that industry and build out a career. And that kind of fell into my lap, and that's what I did, and I ran with it. So I do a lot of agriculture-related work. Uh, I have, I am blessed with the opportunity to represent some amazing companies. 
also some amazing individuals. Um, it fits me because I think of myself as a very simple person from an ag area where I grew up. And I love farmers and I love folks from rural areas. I think I kind of get them and I think they kind of get me. And it's just been an amazing ride for the like, uh, I think it's been about 22 years I've been in this industry. You said, I want to go back to something that I wrote down as you were speaking. You come from a family of cops? I do. So my brother is a, uh, he's now retired, but he uh, was a policeman in Virginia and then transferred out to California to Whittier PD. Uh, He was my hero growing up. And uh, then I have a former brother-in-law who uh, was uh, in Whittier PD. I've got a nephew now who is police. And so I always grew up around them. And I say I, I grew up in a family of cops. So I lost my dad when I was young. So my brother would be, was kind of like, you know, my pseudo, da- pseudo dad. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, I've always grown up around, you know, police folks and, and their friends and that type of thing. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think if I would have been a defense lawyer, I probably wouldn't be uh, welcomed home uh, for Christmas dinner. <laughs> So I want to come back to food. Uh, Alyssa and I, our producer, have uh, sat down and talked with a number of attorneys. And the thing that I walk away with is uh, this notion that everybody, a number of them, uh, tend to find a niche, as you did. One of them is in aviation law. Uh, Another has a focus on art and legal issues relative to that. How did you arrive at food? So a funny story, I was at uh, Baker and McKenzie. And there was a case for Pilgrim's Pride that was a wrongful death case. And uh, without getting into it too much, it was, it, was, it was a very sad case, and it was a very tragic case. In fact, it was a horrible case. And I think um, there were some attorneys that thought it was a loser and maybe didn't want to be tied to it. And as you know, you know what they say about things roll downhill, and, and I'm the young associate, <laughs> and it lands in my lap. And uh, within about 120 days of it being given to me, I had the client out of the case with a summary judgment uh, in their favor. Uh, the case was appealed. Ruling was affirmed. There was a request for the Supreme Court here in Texas to take the case. I handled all that. Uh, the court uh, did not take the case. And so you, as you can imagine, you have a, an, a, an elated client. Right. And about four months later, they get sued. And I'll never forget it. To this day, I, I remember the date. July 2 of uh, 2002. And uh, they said, we got this class action by these contract poultry growers. And we want you to represent us. And uh, as a young associate, I mean, that's, that's kind of... That's a big deal. It's a big deal. And um, so uh, I took on that case, and it's just kind of the, the rest is history. Uh, it, it, I started uh, learning not only about that case, but about their business. I started speaking on issues in the industry. That industry, I would say since 2000, has not only emerged in, in significance in, a, in the United States. Uh, but I would also say that the legal issues at that period, at, at, during this period of time, have really, you know, mushroomed. 
And I have uh, dedicated my career basically uh, to the industry. And I don't just do, you know, I'm not just a chicken lawyer, <laughs> as I've been referred <laughs> you to. You said it. I knew yeah, it was going to happen yeah. at some point. You had to say it. So I do all kinds of food. And I've handled cases dealing with, uh, you know, nuts and, and, and fruit and uh, other things. Uh, but I, I just, I enjoy the industry. It is an amazing industry. It has a lot of complex issues. I literally will handle everything from a wrongful death case to some really uh, difficult, complex issues in antitrust law. Uh, I deal with class actions, but I also deal with this, you know, uh, an arbitration case. And it's just, again, it's just, it's been an, an amazing opportunity, all because somebody gave me some advice that I kept in the back of my mind. And when I saw this opportunity, I thought, you know, here, here it is, take advantage of it. Uh, for the record, I want to point out that you've just said chicken and mushrooms in the same <laughs> it's true. Uh, paragraph it's true. of response. So, you know, it's it's funny. I think, like most of us, we don't look at food the way you do. That's uh, right. You look yeah. at it differently. We all, as consumers, we just walk into the grocery store and we throw things in the cart. And when we walk by the chicken aisle, poultry, we see all of that nice stuff under plastic and we throw it in the cart and we never think of the process and the issues that go into providing all of us the food we eat. It, it's amazing. You not only have the legal issues that you run into, like a lawsuit, but you've got all the regulatory issues. Uh, it's, it's, it, it is really amazing. And then you have these times that, that happen that we've all, uh, you know, confront, and COVID's one of them. And I remember when the, the nation was... Uh, basically uh, closing down and you think to yourself well we got to eat so how do you deal with this and so you run into these novel situations dealing with the novel coronavirus and you work yourself through it and you you do the best you can um, which again I, I, it, it takes me back to the point I wanted to make a minute ago I love these people I deal with these folks that worked in the factories amazing people. Yeah. Those are the people that kept us running with food that we could go to the grocery store when we wore our masks and we're using, uh, you know, uh, you, you were cleaning the, your, your, your plastic bags off because you were afraid that you were going to get the virus on your hands. These folks were, were in there working and, and the companies are doing everything they can to, to make things safe. In the same time, they're trying to listen to guidance that's inconsistent. I bet you, I bet you, most of America does not remember that Dr. Fauci told us in February you should not be wearing a mask. Right. I bet you most of America doesn't remember that the Surgeon General of the United States was telling us, "What are you doing? Don't buy masks." You look at it now and you think, "Wow." You know, I think we look at it now and probably understand what they were doing. They didn't want us to buy masks because so they, they wanted those masks to be available to the people on the front lines and the emergency rooms and stuff, right? right? But, uh, but again, you know, that's an issue in time that and we're, and it's still shaking out in the courts right now. And I don't really, I, I can't really go into that because I'm, I'm, I'm handling a lot of that. But I will just say from a, personally, 
from a career standpoint, how amazing to have those opportunities and be to deal with that and, and to try to, you know, reach justice for everybody involved. Right. As I listen to you speak, I'm, I'm thinking that those people in the factories whom you describe are some of the unsung heroes in oh, all absolutely. of this. Absolutely. I, I think the companies and the individuals that worked for those companies, you betcha. And I don't think that they get enough uh, credit. Um, you know, if I, were, if I were a publicly elected official... I think one of the things that America should do is it should have created a fund for folks that if they got sick or died and, you know, if they got sick and ran up medical bills or whatever else, that that fund would, would pay for them. Because you know what? Those people, we needed them and we needed those companies to keep operating while we sheltered in place. I, our current president, I remember sitting in a basement talking to us, you know, those people those are the real, those are the heroes. Those are the people that went into work and uh, did what was necessary to keep us fed. You mentioned uh, COVID and having to deal with issues. What's an issue in the food service industry and the food production industry that you encountered that perhaps we're unaware of still? Well, COVID's really big. One of the things that's, uh, I would say since about 2016, there's been a lot of antitrust cases going on dealing with the, the meat industry in particular. Uh, that's received some publicity, and it's not always been good. Uh, but I also think, uh, I, I wish I could get into it, but I also think a lot of it uh, should have never been brought to begin with. <laughs> Um, but that, that has, those have been really two huge issues. There's another issue that's been getting some notice and that's issues dealing with animal welfare and how you treat your food that you eat. And then I think people are going to find out here at Thanksgiving time about another issue that's happened and it's not just inflation, but it's avian influenza, uh, particularly dealing with turkeys. I think people are going to find out real quick that their turkeys are going to cost a lot more than they have uh, in the past. Uh, and that's because avian influenza occur, it has been occurring. It's been, very, it's been very difficult for the industry, the turkey industry. It happened in the spring, and it's happened again in the fall as uh, the, the migrat migration happens between the north and the south with the wild birds. And as a result, those turkeys that come down with avian influenza, unfortunately, they have to be put down. And then the farms have to be, you know, sterilized and cleaned. And then they have to put, you know, new flocks down, and that all takes time. So what I think you're going to see is very few large, big turkeys at, uh, at dinner. I think you're going to find small turkeys in, 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 in volume, and it's going to be very expensive. I've heard people talking about this, and I've seen the stories, obviously, and read them in the paper. And there's a, a sticker shock that's going on uh, with regard to turkeys right now. Yeah, yeah. And I just it, for a lot of reasons, you've had this avian influenza issue, and it's hit turkey flocks because they're more susceptible. Those birds take a long time to grow. Um, but the other thing is, too, is you've got just standard inflation. You've got the issues. You've got to feed those birds. So you've got the grain costs, that type of thing. 
uh, and it's been very expensive. And then you've got the labor issues. Everybody, I think, is having a hard time finding labor. I mean, I, I know even law firms are having a hard time finding uh, finding labor. But I know particularly uh, in agriculture, it's been a hard time finding labor. And then you've got transportation costs. Think, think about all of us and what we've paid for gas. Uh, and you know, vehicles. And vehicles. And they're... You know, those companies are, are incurring those costs, too, and they're companies, right? So it gets passed on to the consumer. And so all of us are going to see those those higher prices, and it's just uh, it's it's the world we live in now. Do you see that extending into 23, or is that a problem that is specific to this Thanksgiving only? Well, I think it's going to depend on avian influenza and where the industry goes with that. I, I think they're learning as they go again. And I think you're probably going to see stricter, they call it biosecurity, biosecurity measures put in place. Uh, and so that will hopefully uh, uh, mitigate against avian influenza next year. But, you know, you've got the inflation costs. And I, I don't know where that's going to go. I, I guess with the Fed and monetary policy, Maybe that'll address uh, some of those issues. You know, I heard that the, here we are Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday, the, the 10th of November, and I've, I've heard that the numbers came out looking pretty good, that, that maybe we're seeing maybe the height of, of inflation. Maybe it will, you know, stop or, or start to roll back some. But, you know, I, I, I don't have that crystal ball, Mark. I don't know. But I, I think with avian influenza, I think the industry – it, it's 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 amazing that industry how it works. I, I think that they'll probably do a good job of addressing um, those concerns next year. I I, uh, I I have a story that I saw in the uh, Dallas Morning News this week about a price war that's yep. going on amongst Walmart, Aldi, some of the other chains, and that some of the turkey prices are actually coming down. Is that a blip or a stunt? Or I'll, I'll tell you what that is. It's wonderful marketing to get you in their <laughs> store. So they're probably going to make it up on the back end with the stuffing y'all buy. Right. Or your... Uh, the cranberry you know, sauce. And... Whatever you like to have on the side with your turkey. So, But they're taking th a loss on that if they price... This is a loss leader. Yeah, I think that's what they call it in marketing. It's a loss leader. And, and it's funny. I saw this too, and I and I got a good chuckle out of it. Because I thought to myself, um, they're going to get you on other things. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't get too excited about you that. You know what? Go buy your turkey right now. Yes. <laughs> at, at Aldi, it sounds like. H-E-B. Yeah. There's a plug. We'll yeah. have to call Aldi there or you go. send them an invoice. Yep. You mentioned earlier antitrust. And, and I know you can talk around the edges of that without getting into the specifics because you work with and for some of those companies. It's true, just reading the Wall Street Journal, that chicken uh, and the, the industry and others in food production have been the target of the DOJ, the Department of Agriculture, for a while. Why is that? Looking at it as an outsider, I don't see chicken as that sexy or interesting. Why is it they're in the government sites? That's a great question. Um, I have my opinions about that, and I'll keep those to myself. I Darn. will say this, that civil lawsuits were the first thing that, that started, and they the allegations were that they are, that the companies colluded 
to cut production of chicken to cause prices to rise. Uh, I lived through those times. Um, as you can probably tell by my voice, it kind of gives me a chuckle. And then interestingly, all of a sudden, the DOJ appears in the case. And I wonder why they got interested in the case. Um, what I can tell you is that there were some criminal charges brought. And I can tell you this because you can read it in the newspaper that they, they brought three trials against uh, Pilgrim's executives. Uh, two of them hung, and on the third trial, they lost. The DOJ then dropped uh, criminal charges against two companies that were supposedly colluding. And then it, I guess it was maybe a, I don't know, maybe three weeks to two months later, they dropped the remaining charges against the other executives. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of a situation where the DOJ goes after folks uh, for three trials, two of which were hung juries, and then and then you know kept after it. I, I thought that was a really unique situation. Um, so you know, I don't know what I don't know what more I can say, but I think you can tell by my my what, how I'm saying things that uh, I just I don't I just don't think there's much to it. And I think we saw that in the criminal case, but I will also say this: I, Yeah, company settled. They've settled for a lot of money, um, and I and I can't get into to reasons why. But I will just say this: if there's reincarnation, if that it, it actually happens, I'm gonna. When I go to law school next time, I want to go become an antitrust lawyer. <laughs> a pure antitrust lawyer. A pure antitrust lawyer. And, and to be fair, with regard to the government efforts, you taught me something when we were discussing this earlier. Those efforts began, the prosecutions began in the Trump administration and have been continued yeah. now. It's very interesting, yeah. I, I think there is this belief that if there's a Republican administration, that maybe there's less regulation or less uh, DOJ activity, and that that might be the case if you you know overall historically. I will say, in this instance, those criminal actions be, first started with the Trump administration, and then President Biden uh, took over, and uh, he certainly made it a, a big part of his presidency just like the Obama administration did. And um, uh, they, those criminal trials went away in the, in the Biden administration. So I guess the point is this. Undoubtedly, when there are Democrats in office, in the presidency, definitely more regulation. I see that every single time. But I think it's also important to remember that Republicans, too, get involved with these industries the Trump administration is the one who started the the, the criminal actions in the in this in the um, the antitrust area. But I will also say this: with George W. Bush, he went after the industry pretty hard as it related to folks who uh, were were working in the United States uh, illegally, and he really enforced that uh, you know the, 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 in that area. So, or he sought enforcement actions there. So, yeah, that, that kind of gives you an idea of what you deal with. If uh, you're in a room such as this one, we're sitting in your conference room, and, and you're looking at your clients, and they are asking you, well, Clayton, given all of that, what do we do so that the government does not show up on our doorstep? 
What's your advice? Well, obviously, you need to get in front of things, particularly on the regulations. You want to make sure that you're always in compliance, and you need to have a very good compliance program. There's, there's no doubt about that. I will say that in certain industries, you are always going to have the USDA checking in periodically, if not every day. One thing Americans should know is that in these plants, there is a USDA em employees in those plants making sure that the, the conditions are sanitary and making sure that the operations are safe. And so they're, they're there every day. But I will also say that on the, for those who are farmers, that the USDA, there's a certain agency or sub-agency that goes out periodically, and I mean, they comb through your records to make sure that you're doing things correctly. And you know what? They, they should do that. That's, that's, that's great for everybody involved. So companies need to have a good compliance program, and they need to know that they're being looked at and scrutinized all the time. Clayton, thank you for joining us. And thank you again for listening. That was Clayton Bailey with Bailey Brower in Dallas. You can visit baileybrower.com for more information about the firm. That's Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, B-R-A-U-E-R.com. Make sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and tune in next time to Keep It Legal. I'm your host, Mark Anik. Thanks for joining. Mm -hmm.